0: We are in part, is this three? Part three. Uh, part three of a picture-perfect Christmas. A picture-perfect Christmas. Um, I'm going to preach one more uh, installment of this next Sunday, and then the final installment I will preach on, uh, on Christmas Eve, although it will be a very short sermon. All right? Somebody say amen for a short sermon. Amen for a short sermon. Um, I want to start today's sermon in a pretty unlikely place. I want to start today's sermon in a 1997 Academy Award-winning film called Donnie Brasco. Anybody ever heard of Donnie Brasco? Anybody ever see that movie? You've seen that movie? Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, have you heard the phrase, forget about it? You know the phrase? <laughs> That's pretty good. Forget about it, right? It came from that movie. Um, You can just say that today to somebody, you know, when you do something nice, just forget about it, you know. Um, The the, the movie uh, is fascinating to me because I love undercover movies. I I don't know, but that genre, I love that genre of movies because in that genre of movies, um, in in Donnie Brasco, it's, it's an, uh, Johnny Depp plays an undercover FBI agent. And it's based on a true story. Like this guy, this actually really happened. There was a guy named Joe, uh, Joe Pistone and he was an undercover FBI agent, and he was infiltrating the mob. And uh, he actually helped to bring down the Colombo family, the Bonono family, Bonanno family, I better get that right. Um, And and he did it all by pretending to be a mafia member, but he was actually working undercover. And what I love about this, this, this whole genre of undercover films is that while they're happening, the characters on the screen don't know that there are these events happening undercover. But we, as viewers, we know what's going on, right? If, if, you, don't, if you don't like Donnie Brasco or, you know, maybe you never saw it, let me give you a, a few other films that fall into the genre. Uh, Kindergarten Cop, that's kind of the end, you know, but it is. It's uh, um, Undercover Brother, all right, okay. Uh, Point Break was an undercover film. The Fast and the Furious. These are not movies I'm recommending, by the way. All right? I'm just telling you, they're undercover. Black Klansman was undercover. Uh, Miss Congeniality. Does anybody remember that one? That was a throwback. They, they throw that one on the airplane every once in a while. You can still watch that. Um, the Departed was an undercover. And in all of these movies, what's happening is somebody's working behind the scenes to bring about justice. Somebody's working undercover to bring about rightness and goodness and truth. But on the outside, nobody can see that happening. On the outside, nobody sees that an undercover agent is operating. On the outside, all you see is criminality and lawlessness and, and, and misbehavior and all this kind of bad stuff. But behind the scenes, somebody is working for good. Oh, come on. Somebody knows where I'm going to go with this, right? See, a lot of us on the outside of our life, the circumstances of our life, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like anybody is working behind the scenes to make things right. In the loneliness of your dorm room, on the outside, it doesn't look like there's anything good going on behind the scenes. When the anxiety and the stress and the pressure of final exams are hitting you, WashU students and and SLU students and UMSL students and Lindenwood, I shouldn't have started down the It right? On the outside, it just doesn't seem like anything good is happening behind the scenes. For those of you who are waiting for a spouse and you're looking across the landscape and you're going, I don't see God working on this situation. I'm working on it, but I don't see God working. What's going on, right? If you're in your fifth year of infertility and you keep trying to have a baby and it's, and it's not happening, you can often look around and go, I just don't see God at work. I, I don't see God at work in this. I don't see God. When your child is born and they have a... a, a Um, some sort of a mental or, or emotional health challenge that's very, very difficult, it's hard to see God at work in that circumstance. In a relationship where there's trouble, where there's a struggle, where there's some coldness and distance, it's hard to see God at work, right? When you get a diagnosis, I'm trying to, wherever you are, sometimes in our life, it's hard to see God at work. But what I want to tell you today is that we serve a God who works undercover. I want you to know this. I really want you to get this. We serve an undercover God. We really do. When God told Abraham, Take your son Isaac up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him, did it sound like God was at work in that moment? Abraham saying, I don't want to do this, but he obeyed God. See, God was working behind the scenes. He had a ram hidden in the thicket. And he said, I'm going to bring this lamb, this ram out, and you're going to sacrifice this ram, not your son. When Moses was being called by God, God was working undercover in the form of a burning bush and said, I want you to go down to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Right? God works undercover. There's a, there's a great story in the Bible where a, pro, a prophet named Balaam uh, w- wouldn't do what God wanted him to do. God worked undercover. God actually spoke through Balaam's donkey and said, this is the word of God. When Elijah, When Elijah was trying to hear the word of God, He was looking for God in the earthquake. He was looking for God in the fire. He was looking for God in the storm. And and the scripture says God came to him in a still, small voice. You see, God works undercover in our lives. God works when, you know the song that says, even when we don't feel it, he's working. Even when we don't see it, he's working. I mean... The Christmas picture of this is God sent his son in the form of a little baby born to two peasant people living in a, a, you know, hidden in a manger. Right. And this is the way God introduces himself to the planet, not on a horse, not with a sword and a crown. God works undercover. And I want to encourage somebody today that even when you don't see God working, even when you don't feel God working. I want you to know that God is working undercover towards his providence in your life today. Whether you recognize it or not. And so today, for the next few moments, I want to preach on the subject, Undercover Christmas. Undercover Christmas. Now, if you're just joining us, you haven't been here for the last several weeks, we're in a series called A Picture Perfect Christmas. And in this series, we're looking at the picture of Christmas according to the scripture. And the the premise of the series is that you and I often have a picture-perfect image in our mind of what Christmas should be like. And it often involves perfect people, perfect family members, perfect circumstances, perfect situations, perfect hair, perfect clothes, perfect gifts, all that, right? But what we're learning in this series is that that's not the way God works. That's not the picture that He provides of Christmas. In fact, in Matthew chapter one, verse one, when it gives us the description of, of, the, of the circumstances and the people and the places leading up to the birth of Jesus, they're all imperfect. In that first chapter of Matthew, we, we learned a couple weeks ago, there's a list of 40 fathers and grandfathers of Jesus, 40 generations. First son, father, first son, father, first. And in this big list of 40 generations, God calls out five women, five grandmothers, five mothers, great, great, great grandmothers of Jesus. And then we go back and we look at their picture of their story. We look at the picture of their life and we see, oh man, God doesn't, God's picture of Christmas isn't about perfect people and about perfect circumstances. God's picture of Christmas is about a perfect God entering into the brokenness of your life and of my life. It's about a perfect God who shows up in unexpected ways. It's about a perfect God who's operating undercover in your life, in my life. And a lot of times, we're like the, we're like the people in the movie. We don't see God working. We only find out at the end that God's been working the whole time. Yeah. And so what I want to do today, we're on uh, one of the grandmothers, uh, great-great-grandmothers of Jesus. Her name is Ruth. And I, I, it took me all week to decide not to pull up a stool and just read the whole book of Ruth to you this morning. That was my plan. The, the, you can thank the staff for talking me out of that, and my wife, and my children. But I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to get the Bible, and I'm going to sit here on a stool. I'm just going to read the whole book of Ruth, because it's so good. So here's what, here's what I want you to do. Please go home and read the whole book of Ruth. Really? Please, please do that, because I, I, had, to, I had to cut I had to cut my sermon just all different ways so that I didn't just sit down and read it. But it's a picture of God working undercover in a person's life that did not see God working. And the story of Ruth, I'm going to summarize it real, real quickly. Uh, we meet a woman named Naomi. And it, it begins, the, the story begins, you know, pretty nice. The circumstances are good. Naomi uh, and her two sons and her husband moved to a, a country called Moab they they had experienced a famine in Israel so they they moved to Moab where there was food and and things are going well she finds two young women for her sons to marry a woman named Orpah and a a woman named Ruth life is going well and then tragedy strikes in their life Naomi's husband we don't know how or why but Naomi's husband died and then right after Naomi's husband died her sons died and so when we meet this trio of women in the in the story we meet three grieving widows. And if you were with us for the last couple of weeks, you know that in ancient Israel to be a widow is to be unprotected in, 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 that, in that era. If you don't have a male heir or you don't have a, a husband in that era, women couldn't own property. And it was, it was a very vulnerable, very, very scary situation. So when we meet the, the, the characters in this story, we meet Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. We're meeting them at the at the, at the edge of a, of a terrible tragedy. They've all lost their husbands, and they have no one to turn to. So, so Naomi says, I'm going to go back to, to where I'm from. She's from Bethlehem, by the way. She says, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, uh, and and Orpah and, and Ruth are going to go with her. So they're, they're all heading back to Bethlehem, and then I'm going to pick up and read not the whole book, but I'm going to read a, a significant part of it here just by way of introduction. The scripture says, then Naomi said to her, do, her two daughters-in-law, she said, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Let me just tell you what she's doing here. Cause you remember I've been teaching on this Uh, on this on these kinds of subjects what she's doing is releasing them from their legal and moral obligation to stay with her because in ancient Israel when you married into a family that was your family right and so they have a legal and moral obligation to stay with uh, Naomi but Naomi says look y'all just go back to your moms and maybe you you know you're still young maybe you can find another husband Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. They said, no, we're not, we won't be released. We're going to stay with you. But Naomi said, no, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is bitter. It is more bitter for me than it is for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. This is a woman whose circumstances are so bad that she's saying God himself has turned against me. At this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Because she had left years ago, you know. Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Mara just means bitter in Hebrew. Mara call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. When we meet Naomi in this moment, her life circumstances are so busted up, so broken that she can't, even, she can't even lift her heart to trust in the Lord, right? She can see the, the disaster that she's in, but she can't see the destiny that God has for her. She can see the calamity that's all around her, but she can't see the calling that God has on her. We're, we're over here watching this story. We actually know how the story ends, right? We know Naomi is the great, 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 great grandma of Jesus, but even as we're watching it, we're going, oh, my God, right? This is so sad. Because in her situation, where she is situated, where she is located right now, she's, she, can, she can see all of, the, all of the mess that she's in. She can see all of, the, all of the misfortune that she's in. But she can't see the mission that God is going to accomplish through her in that moment. But I just want to say God's an undercover God. God's working behind the scenes when we don't know God's working. What God is trying to show us in this moment, the reason we see these circumstances like this is God is saying, look, I'm going to effectuate my providence even in the midst of your pain. Somebody write this down. Providence in the pain. Providence hidden in the pain. This is what's happening in this story right now. We are seeing God's working of his ultimate providence of bringing Christ into the world even in the midst of the most tragic, heartbreaking circumstances that you and I can even imagine. When, I've told this story before, but when my, my, father, my father passed away in 2004, and it was an absolutely crushing experience for me, the hardest thing I ever experienced in my whole life. I'd never had a loss like that, I had never experienced pain like that. I wasn't a believer and i and and i remember from the moment that I, I heard about his diagnosis he had a rare blood disease and from the moment that i heard about his diagnosis my, my life it, it just took it just took a turn for the worse the the the, the grief the sorrow the pain the regret that I began to experience as he was dying and then ultimately when he died, I can't explain that kind of, that level of pain to you if you haven't, if you haven't experienced that. If you have experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember there was a, a day when I, I just, I was driving along uh, the, uh, a highway. I was still in California. I was driving along the highway and there was a, um, a graveyard uh, along the highway and I was on, on my motorcycle knife and I pulled off At the graveyard, and I just—I was just so overcome with emotion. I just lay lay down in the grass, and I just wept. I just face down wept. I don't—I have no idea how long I was there. I just there was no there was no comforting for me. There was the grief was so was so heartbreaking. I just didn't—I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what to do. But in retrospect, and I look back at this, and it was my—it was the—it was the loss. It was the the pain of my father's death that ultimately led me to the joy of eternal life. It it was his loss. It was the suffering that I experienced in the midst of his loss that drove me to a need for a God that was bigger than death. It It was the pain of that that ultimately crushed me and drew me into God's ultimate plan and purpose for my life. Now, You know, you might be saying like, oh, are you saying that God killed your father in order to save you? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God will still work out his providence even in the midst of your pain. God will use your tragedy and your heartbreak and the the hardship of your circumstances to effectuate the ultimate plan and purpose that he has for your life. God works in the midst of... God is an undercover God. Can I get somebody with me. God is working even when you do not see him working. God is working in the midst of your loss, He's working in the midst of your anxiety. Somebody's with me. He's working in the midst of your heartbreak. He's working in the midst of the divorce that you have gone through. He's working in the midst of the the suffering and the pain of the abuse that you have incurred. He's working in the midst of the sin that you committed against somebody else. He's working in the worst possible circumstances and situations in your life because God is an undercover God. And nothing stops him from effectuating and affecting his providence, even in the midst of your pain. That's the kind of God we serve. That is the kind of God we serve. When we meet these women, we see pain. We see loss. We see suffering. We see shame. We see heartbreak. God says, I'm still working. I'm working undercover. I'm going to fulfill my purpose. I'm going to fulfill the destiny that I have for you. I'm going to do it right in the midst of it, even though you don't see me working. Naomi and, and Ruth finally make their way back uh, to Bethlehem, and, and everybody's there, and, and they're broke. I mean, they, they have nothing. They, they have absolutely nothing. And so Ruth says, look, I'm going to go, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go find a field. That's the barley harvest, right? So the, the, everybody's, everybody's uh, gathering the wheat and the barley from their fields. And so Ruth says, I'm just going to go, and, and maybe I can walk behind the people who are cutting the wheat and gathering the wheat and if they drop any wheat or if they drop any barley you know I'll ask the, the foreman if I can just have the stuff that they leave behind like when we read this story it just it feels in, in my mind when I first read Ruth you know it's hard to imagine those circumstances but can you imagine being so desperate that you go out to some farmland right and there's a combine driving and, and collecting the corn And you're literally there with your with your tote bag, going. He dropped an ear of corn. Can I have this? Right. I mean, this is this is exactly the situation she's in. It is it is a very very desperate and vulnerable situation. And Naomi is 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 older, so she's not even physically able to go and do that. So Ruth is doing it for her and for Naomi. And and one day, the owner of the field, a guy named Boaz, sees this woman walking around behind the, the the gleaners and he sees sees her gathering this and he asks the guys that he's working with he says who who is this who's this woman and they say to him they say this is she's a moabite she's a woman from moab and she lost a husband and she's naomi's daughter-in-law and she lost her husband it's just a bad situation and she asked whether she could come and and like glean some of the fa- the, the fallen wheat and the fallen barley and we told her that she could And Boaz says, "Okay, great. All right. And he brings her over and he basically says to her, listen, um, I want you to know that in my field, uh, you're protected. Uh, uh, Just get get this for a moment, because he could have kicked her out. Right. He could have said, look, that's no, this is mine. You can't have this. I don't know who you are, but you cannot have. But he said, look, I want you to I want you to know I've told my men to, to not to not harm you. I want everybody to protect you. They've gathered water. If you need water, um, you can use their water. We've got a shelter here. You're welcome to use their shelter. And I just want you to know that you're safe here and that you are welcome here. It's a beautiful act of generosity that was unexpected. She did not anticipate this. And so the scripture says that she, when she heard him say this, she bowed down in verse 10. She bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner you see it's it's she's she's calling out something that god is trying to convey to us right in god's perfect picture of christmas god turns outsiders into insiders somebody write down outsiders disguised as insiders outsiders disguised as insiders throughout this series we keep seeing this pattern over and over we saw tomorrow a few weeks ago, an outsider, a woman that was, had, been, had been abused and misused by everybody. Outsider. God says, no, I'm going to make you an insider. Last week, we looked at Rahab. Rahab was the ultimate outsider. Rahab was a Canaanite living in the walls of Jericho, and her vocation was a prostitute. And God said, I'm bringing you in. I'm taking an outsider, and I'm, and I'm making them an, an insider. You're actually an insider. You're just disguised as an outsider. Um, th- there's a... Uh, another uh, a TV show that I cannot recommend, but I, I have to use it as an illustration. Has anybody seen 60 Days In? Okay, the three of us. We will have, we won't. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird show. It's weird. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a documentary, episodic documentary, where they, they bring these uh, civilians, who are just your regular civilians, and they bring them into a jail... And the sheriff brings them into the jail because he wants an inside look at what's going on in the jail. He brings them in and says, I need you to, I need you to pretend to be an inmate because if you're an inmate, then you can, you can tell me you know, where contraband is coming in. You're gonna find out stuff that I can't find out. You're gonna find out which guards are corrupt and which guards are good. You're gonna, you're gonna be able to look around inside of this jail and then you're gonna, we're gonna pull you out uh, and, and, and you're going to tell me, like, what we need to do to improve this jail, right? So they take these, they take these civilians in. People sign up for this. I mean, I don't know. there's all kinds of reality shows. This is, this is next level. They actually go in, and the prisoners think that they're prisoners, but they're actually insiders. They're working for the sheriff. And so behind the scenes, the sheriff has got these, these eyes and ears, and they're reporting back to the sheriff what's going on in the jail. You see, over and over, God says throughout the scripture, He says, I'm going to use people that look like they're from the outside, but I'm going to put them on the inside. I'm going to take somebody from a different tribe, tongue, and nation. I'm going to take a Moabite woman and bring her all the way in. I'm going I'm to take a Rahab the prostitute and bring her all the way in. I'm going to take a group of Gentiles, a, a group of people who don't have the pedigree, we don't have the background. And I'm going to bring them all the way into the family of God. God, The picture of Christmas is a picture of God taking outsiders and bringing them and making them into insiders. Can I just tell somebody today who really feels like you're on the outside that God uses people just like you? You may not have the pedigree. You may not have the education. You may not have the background. You may not have the experience. You may not have the church background. you You may be so far outside of the normal scope of what you think of as a, as a man or a woman of God. And God says, mm, that's the kind of person I like to use. And you know what that is also? That's, a, that's also a warning to insiders, right? Jesus did this all the time to the Pharisees, the ultimate insiders. He said, man, you all think you got it together, but I'm going to be drawing people. I'm going to be, I got tax collectors. I've got sinners. I've got robbers. I've got thieves. I'm going to bring them into the kingdom of God. So as insiders, we need to be like Boaz and always have that outward facing posture and go, hey, who is God bringing in? Who is God using? Can we bring them into the kingdom of God? Because because I want to be on God's side with that. I don't want to be I don't want to be the Pharisee. I want to be one of the people God uses. So God God says, look, I'm going to use this this outsider and I'm going to make her an insider. I got to fast forward through this 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 story. But She's working in the field over time, over and over. She goes back to Naomi, her, her mother-in-law, and says, hey, um, man, things are going really well. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot of wheat. I'm getting a lot of barley. In fact, she doesn't know this, but Boaz actually told his gatherers and gleaners. He said, look, every once in a while, as you're gleaning, throw a few out on the ground. Just leave, leave a little behind. Leave something on the table for her, right? So she's coming home. She's got all this stuff. And Na- Naomi says, do you know whose field you're working in? She says, yeah, I'm working for a guy. I'm working in the field of a guy named Boaz. And and Naomi says, oh, wow. He's one of my distant relatives. Boaz is a good man. Boaz is a noble person, a a noble guy. And in fact, she says, and I'm going to get into this in a minute. She says, he's actually one of our guardian redeemers. Ruth says, what's that? Well, a guardian redeemer is somebody who's a relative of yours who is, um, who is, is tasked when you get into a bad situation who is tasked with the responsibility depending on how closely they're related to help you out so naomi hatches a plan she says man boaz is one of our guardian redeemers he's a relative of ours she says here's what i want you to do and this is where the story gets crazy you got to go read it okay she says to ruth here's what i want you to do when the when the when the harvest is over they're all going to have a big meal they're all going to have a big celebration. And then Boaz is going to go lie down on the winnowing floor. So when it's all done, they, just, they all, they all kind of crash there at the, at the, at the farm. Right? So he's going he's gonna to relax there. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to go at night. And I want you to go. I want you to uncover his feet. He's going to be sleeping. He's going to have a blanket on. I want you to uncover his feet. And I want you to lie down at his feet. <laughs> if you're Ruth, you're going, excuse me, you do, you, I'm going to do. I'm sorry. You lost me at uncover his feet. Um. Naomi says, no, no, trust me. Just trust me, right? Just do this, okay? Verse 7 of chapter 3. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet. There's a lot of commentary on this, but it literally means uncovered his feet. All right? I've researched it. People are like, well, does it actually mean A like, lot of speculation. <laughs> she uncovered his feet. that's what she did she uncovered his feet and she lay down in the middle of the night something startled the man my theory is his feet were cold all right (laughs) he's like whoa my feet are cold um he turned and there was a woman lying at his feet who are you he asked it's dark i'm your servant ruth she said spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family what I like about that little moment, if I can just go, can I geek out for a minute? She says, I want to be under your cover. Does that strike anybody else? I want to be under your cover. I want to be under your refuge. I want to be, I want to be, I want to be taken care of, right? God really is an undercover God, right? She says, look, I've been told to say this, but you are a guardian redeemer. And I am, I am, I am placing my, I'm risking my safety. I am, re- I am becoming, I'm vulnerable in this moment, right? And this is a very scary moment for Ruth. This is a, now she's seen his character. She's seen that he's not going to take advantage of her. And, but still, right, she's there. I mean, it could, it, at the very least, it could be very, very awkward, right? What are you doing? Why did you uncover my feet? Get out of my barn. What are you, right? At the very least. And don't come back to the field, P.S., right? At the very worst, it could be something Much, much much, much worse, but I love how Boaz responds. He says, "Uh, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. Here's another picture that we see in the scripture, a counterintuitive, paradoxical reality that God does not save us because of our effort. He doesn't save us because of our merit, our worthiness, our good deeds, our work, our exertion in this picture of christmas we see salvation through surrender salvation through surrender this is a counterintuitive way that god works it's an undercover way that god works in our hearts and in our minds in our picture perfect christmas we've got to exert we've got to make everything right in order for things to be right the circumstances the, the situation has to be right. We've got to get everything dialed in. And God says, no, I, here's what I want you to do. See, Boaz is a type of Jesus. Jesus is a guardian redeemer. Jesus says, look, the way that I save you is when you surrender. I'm not going to save you because you were working so well in the fields. I'm not going to save you because you've exerted so much energy. I'm going to save you when you surrender. And so in this moment, in this picture-perfect moment, we see an act of surrender that leads to salvation. Many years ago, um, we were on vacation, and I was trying to teach. We were in the pool uh, at, a, at a hotel, and I was trying to teach my, my youngest son, Augustine, how to float on his back because he couldn't swim yet, but I wanted to teach him how to float on his back in case he ever fell in the water. Then at least he would have a way to, you know, to stay afloat. And so I was trying to teach him how to, how to float on his back, but I'm not very good at floating on my back. I kind of, I float like a rock. I just kind of Drift to the bottom. And so, but I was trying to teach him how to float, right? And he's doing exactly what you would expect a a kid to do. He's like, he's really stiff, because it's scary. Like the water's like this, and he's like stiff, and he's like trying to exert all of this energy, and he's kind of, you know, frantic. And we're all, we're standing there, and, and Rebecca and I were in the water, and we noticed that there's a, there's a, another, there's a mom with her two kids, also in the pool. And she comes over, and she goes, Not to be weird, but would you mind if I could I could I show you something? Could I explain something to you? Right. And I'm like, sure, because it's not working what I'm doing. And um, she says, if you'll just have him relax, if you'll just have him relax, then he'll be able to float better. If he keeps trying, striving, it's not going to work. And 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 she goes, and we had a conversation to the point where we felt comfortable. And she goes, I'll show you. So she like goes over and she kind of puts her, I don't know exactly how she, she put her hand under his head, under his neck, and she told him, just relax your head, relax, right? And within a few moments, Augustine's just floating around the pool. I'm like, can you show me that? Because I saw, um, he's just floating, right? Because when he was exerting, he was falling. But when he was surrendering, he was floating. Some of you all today are still exerting and you're struggling, and you're, and you're drowning and you're sinking because you're trying to save yourself. You're scrambling and you're splashing around and you're kicking and you're taught and you're all worked up trying to make things happen. And God says, listen, I want you to surrender. I want you to just lie down and surrender and trust that I got you. So, 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 so Ruth says, look, I'm just, I'm just going to surrender. And, and Boaz says, I'm going to take it from here. We have to cut all the way to the end of the story. A lot of good stuff happens in between. But the long and short of it is, Boaz decided to be the guardian redeemer for Ruth and for Naomi. Verse 13. Boaz took Ruth and and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. This is one of my favorite lines. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. I want you to get this picture because in the picture-perfect Christmas that we learn about in the Bible, kings are disguised as commoners. This is the picture-perfect picture of of Christmas. You got to recognize, right? They're in Bethlehem. They're in Bethlehem, and there's this little boy. You can put that next slide up, kings disguised as commoners. They're in Bethlehem, and here's this, this woman holding this child who's born of a foreigner, right? And in two generations, this little, ba- this little baby's grandson is King David. Two generations. This little baby's great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson is Jesus, Right. Throughout the scripture, we keep seeing this image over and over and over and over again. I'm going to end with a scripture that I don't have for the on the slides, but I want you to get this from first Peter two nine. It says this. You are a chosen people. This is this is you guys. This is us. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. I want you to know that God is making kings out of commoners in this room today. God is making kings out of commoners of anybody who will say, you know what? I'm going to surrender to you, God. I'm going to submit my life to you. I'm going to stop striving myself. I'm going to stop striving this Christmas. I'm going to open my heart to the miracle of Jesus. I'm going to, you, you, you recognize a thousand years later, there's another commoner holding a little baby in her arms in the same little town of Bethlehem, right? And that, at that same little town of Bethlehem, there's another woman holding another little common baby who happens to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Right? You see, the picture-perfect picture of of Christmas, God's perfect picture of Christmas is that he's working undercover in your life. Mm -hmm. Naomi didn't know any of this. Naomi didn't know that her her great-grandson was King David. She never even got to see that. She certainly didn't know that her great-great-great-great-great-grandchild was Jesus. But God was working undercover the whole time. That's the way he works. He's working undercover in your life today. If if you're in pain, if you're in anguish or fear or anxiety, there's providence in your pain. God's working in the midst of your pain. If you feel like an outsider, God makes insiders out of outsiders. This is what he does. This is who he is. He makes kings out of commoners. And the way for you and me to experience that is through surrender. That's the means, that's that's the mechanism by which we experience this God who does this transformative undercover work. We ultimately say, God, you're working. I can't see it. Sometimes I don't feel it. Sometimes I don't understand it. A lot of times it it doesn't make sense in the moment, but I'm just gonna trust you, God. I'm gonna put my heart, I'm gonna put my hope, I'm gonna put my faith in a God who works undercover. As we close today, I wanna just, I I wanna pray for you this Christmas, I want to pray that whatever circumstances you're in, whatever hardship you're in, whatever challenges, whatever difficulty you're in, that you will see God working in the midst of your pain. You will see God working undercover. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just thank you for who you are. We thank you, God. For the way that you operate in our lives, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't understand it. God, we just, we ask, Lord God, that you would work in our hearts today, but, but you would also give us the peace and the comfort. You would give us the faith to know that you're working undercover in our lives today. Job, Job said, that that even in the midst of his pain, he was going to worship you. David said, even if you slay me, yet yet will I serve you. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, right now, some of us, some of us don't see how you're working in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of our, our difficulties. And yet, Lord, we ask today that our hearts would be open to receive you, that we would put our trust in you, that we would experience you richly, deeply, powerfully today. That today we would open up our hearts and experience for real an undercover Christmas. We thank you, Father. We love you, we praise you, and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I really believe somebody, somebody here today needs to experience, needs to put their trust in God because you, you're, like, you're, you're starting off like Naomi. Naomi and you're going the lord has turned against me my life is very bitter and god is saying no 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 no. i'm working undercover you just have to know i'm working under cover i want to invite you to worship with us in a few different ways today if you're a guest or a visitor i want to encourage you to take a moment fill out the connection card in the in the pew in front of you or if you want to give your life to jesus if you if you want to experience the power uh, of his work in your life and you're not experiencing that but you want to give your heart to him and, and surrender to him take a moment fill out the connection card in front of you if you're if you're a guest or a visitor we want to send you uh, a gift um, uh, if you'll give us your your, your email today we want to send you a subscription to a resource that we have called right now media right now media is um, is basically Netflix but with incredible Christian content Bible studies, uh, all kinds of uh, Bible, Bible-based videos, um, and we want to send that to you. That's our gift to you. If, if you've been here for a long time and you don't have a subscription to that, we want to send you that just as a resource for you, that you can use that throughout the... You can use that, you know, sign up, make your own password, and that'll be a subscription that you will have to that content. We just want to invite you to do that. If you'd like that, fill out a connection card and let us know. Uh, if this is your church home, we, we invite you to worship through your giving, through your generosity. Partner with us as we expand the mission of Jesus uh, into uh, the end of this year and into next year. There's really, really, really exciting things coming down. Um, the road in the next few months. Uh, We've been meeting with um, architects. We've been meeting uh, with the team and planning and developing some of the renovations here at the Tivoli and some cool stuff down at the Shaw campus that we're planning to do. Um, Thank you to all of you who are part of the Beyond campaign. Your giving and generosity is making all of that happen. Um, I also want to invite you to meet our missions partners. Uh, we have, uh, I believe, Avenues Counseling is uh, one of our missions partners that's out in the lobby today. This is one of the agencies that you help to support through your giving. Um, They provide Christian counseling uh, to anyone, irrespective um, of their ability to pay. And that's one of the things that we just love about partnering with avenues is that they are available to help anybody with mental health care Uh, from a Christian standpoint. They're just incredible. Um, So go meet our our missions partners on the way out. Um, And then finally, if you need prayer um, or you want to take communion, our prayer team is waiting in the side auditorium. Uh, As you go out on your left, you can go and pray with them, uh, take communion with them um, and really Connect with God uh, as we close out the service. Would you stand with me as we close? Um, We're going to end with one more song. We're going to have our worship team lead us. I ask you to join us in singing.